The following was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio is speaking. Yeah, obviously, kind of, this is a, the Christmas Eve. I was out a little bit today, just kind of picking up some things, running some errands, and there's just a little bit of, like, last-minute energy always, right? A little bit of chaos and uh, picking up gifts and trying to make sure you have everything covered and you kind of going through your mind, like, I think I got everything, but should I get one more thing? And uh, my wife has detailed lists about what each kid has and what it's worth and making sure that, like, it all balances out perfectly and... And so trying to kind of help manage that whole thing. And, and, and I don't know about you or some of your kids or where you've been at, but some years it's like, yeah, my kids know exactly what they want for Christmas. 100%, like, that is a thing. Or one kid does, the other kid's like, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm kind of good, I don't care. And, and sort of it goes back and forth, these sort, of, these sort of gifts, what you're looking for every particular year. The, the Christmas is the same, but sort of what you bring into it can be a little bit different. I remember for me, when I was about seven years old, uh, the gift focus for me was very singular. It was one thing. Uh, on my wish list, and this is back in 1985, my one-item wish list, the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. Uh, One of the most amazing toys ever created by Hasbro. I think I have a picture of it, and it was just this colossal ship, plastic ship with with guns and figures, and it was like, took up the, look at this thing, like it's as big as your room, the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. And it came out, I was like, man, that would be the ultimate thing to have. Like, I would, I would forego all my Christmas stuff. I would, I would forego birthdays into the future. I would, I would sell future Christmases to have this, this G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. And it came out around $124.99. This is from the Sears catalog. That's how we found out about things when I was a kid, the Sears catalog. And I was like, there's just no way. I'm just not going to get that, that thing. Like, I love it, but I just knew that, that that was beyond our allotment. Like, we were maybe around, like, a $50 mark. I'm one of five kids, uh, so we sort of had a little less sometimes to go around. And I was like, man, there's no way. But can I, is there any way I can scheme my way into that? Like, what if I talk my younger brothers into throwing their Christmas money at this thing? We go in on it together, right? And then I'm like, yeah, then I'd have to share it. So I'm not sure if that's going to be worth it or not. And so there's sort of, like, this tension. And, and I was, eventually I was kind of like, there's just no way. Like, this is just not in the cards. I don't even think I had room in my room for that thing, honestly. Like, I sharing with my brothers. Like, it just wasn't going to work. But I kind of wanted it. Like, secretly... I want it, but there's no way. There's no way I can sort of swindle my way or beg, borrow, or steal into the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. But there was a kid who could do that. There was one kid. He was, he was the only child. He, he, he had more of these type of things. That was my, one of my best friends, Stefan Kelsall. And, and lo and behold, Christmas Day rolls around, and I like go through my stuff, get my things, and like you hang out with your friends afterwards. Like, what'd you get? He's like, I got the aircraft carrier. And you're like, ah, like I want to play with it, but I'm kind of angry at you too, and I kind of want to break it when you're not looking, and there's this sort of tension, because I, I think it would be awesome to have that thing, but it just wasn't sort of in, in, in my lineup, in the, in, in the possi- realm of possibility for me to have it at that time of my life. And I think some of the Christmas story, when, I, when we look at it today, it's this idea of, 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 a, of certain people feeling just, just far off from God. Like they'd want to have this thing. They want to shoot for the stars and dream about a relationship with this, this grand God. Hey, Jim, how's it going, man? Let's see you earlier. Um, this grand thing, but it's like, ah, this is not going to work for me. I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't speak the right language. I wasn't born into the, the right race. I don't have the right stuff. I don't, I'm not close enough to the temple. And there's all these reasons where I'm like, man, I can't, I can't get that thing. And so when God, in, in this story, this is the gospel story, he's like, listen, I don't want the gift to be exclusive. I want everyone to have access to the gift. And this is the story of sending, sending his son to earth for the world. God so loved the world. He didn't want people to feel left out anymore, looking about like, man, I guess that's great for Stefan, but I'll just be over here with my little boat toy or whatever, you know? Like, man, God wanted everyone to have access to the ultimate gift ever. And this is an incredibly beautiful story. It's an amazing story. 
But sometimes we forget that. I mean, we get busy. We get, sometimes we just get bored. Sometimes we just try to check it off a list. I think one of the challenges of the Christmas story, the Christmas season, if you will, is that we, that we know it so well is that that familiar, familiarity can sometimes almost lead to disinterest. Familiarity can lead to a disinterest. We've heard the story. It's like, oh, okay, we sing the songs. We see it everywhere. It's like, I get it. And you can kind of become to like almost separate yourself from that. You ever with someone who tells the same stories over and over again? Like maybe you are that person. Somebody point to that person in the room because I know, yeah, they're in here. They tell the same story. Like a conversation starts and you're interested, like you're listening because it seems new. Then all of a sudden it starts to drift into like, oh man, I've heard this one before. And you just start to sort of slowly tune out. You just kind of want to back away, but maybe like you're the only person there. So you, you have to stay there, but in your mind you're like, drifting away, thinking about how you're going to get out of the conversation. Like, do you stop them and hurt their feelings? Do you just let them go on? Like, where can I get a cup of coffee? Like, it, that, that familiarity with the story, it, it takes away from the interest of it. Like, I've heard this. I, 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 tell me something new. Tell me something new. And the Christmas story can be the same, the same way, because essentially it's, it's a very similar story every year. But that doesn't mean there's not something new for us in each, in each season. My family and I were out on the East Coast uh, earlier this month visiting family. So one of my younger brothers had a, his first child and uh, had a privilege to get out there for, for about a week and um, spend some time with my parents where they live in North Jersey and, and, and New York and, and Philadelphia. And one of the cool things is about traveling, and I'm sure you've all experienced this at some level, and my parents live in a new area where I didn't grow up, so it's kind of a new area to me. But when you go to these new places and everything's new, it just seems more interesting, right? Like everything you see, every restaurant, every street sign, every farm, it's like, man, that is, that's really interesting. That's, that's amazing. Like it, your senses are sort of ignited to like, oh my gosh, like all this stuff is happening around me. Even in New Jersey where I went, right? I mean, it's like, man, look at those brown trees and this gray sky. This is amazing here. It's so cold. This is awesome, you know? And the residents are like, you're crazy. Because like, when you live with it, it's like, this is not interesting, this is our life. Like, this kind of blows sometimes in New Jersey. Like, but we go out there, I'm like, man, this is, this is cool. Everything we see has sort of piqued our interest. We want to take pictures with different things. We want to, like, go to every Dunkin' Donuts because Dunkin' Donuts are awesome because I don't see them very often out here. We went into Philadelphia for uh, an afternoon or about a day. <clears throat> and uh, my family, kids had never been there. Amy had, had been there when she was a kid, and I went on and off growing up. But bringing the kids to, to Philadelphia and the historic district of Philadelphia, which is just so much history of our, our, of our nation. You know, hundred, a couple hundred years back, it's really where our nation was formed. We're just walking the streets of this old town, Philadelphia, and it's just like everything you see is just amazing. And like you just want to touch and be part of and taste and feel. And I, I think we actually ate cheesesteaks from like four different places all day because it's like, man, we have to have another cheesesteak. There's just these brick buildings, hundreds of years old, or cobblestone streets. And we'd be walking with my brother. He, he was kind of escorting us around. And uh, he's single. My whole family's there. And, like, we'd see, like, these, these brick walls. Like, man, let's take a picture in front of that brick wall. Like, every brick wall seemed awesome. Like, let's go take a pic- picture in front of the brick wall, you know? My brother's like, if you want to say brick walls, we could have stayed home. Like, we have brick walls at home. But, like, man, the brick walls there seemed, like, really cool. Because we weren't as familiar. And we, and we were learning about the story behind it. We walked through Ben Franklin's like house and his, and his, where his footprints and things that he did, or Independence Hall, Liberty Bell, and just discovering new things about even old, old, old concepts or old ideas. But I've heard of the Liberty Bell, probably like most people in this room, you've heard of the Liberty Bell. Like, 
And I would have been like, yeah, I know about the Liberty, Liberty Bell. Sounds boring. Old Bell, get it. But like, man, when you really start to lean in and, and hear about this story of this thing and, and all the, the people that were involved and as it was a symbol of hope for, for, for the anti-slavery movement, for the women's suffrage movement, for people around the world, from Nelson Mandela to, to the prime minister, to Dalai Lama, it's like quoting about this bell and the symbol it is for, for our world. I was like, wow, like, maybe I didn't know about the bell. Maybe it is cooler than I thought. But that familiarity... Or almost a false sense of familiarity sometimes just creates that disinterest, like, oh, I get it, U.S. history. And then some people love that. Some people are like, oh, history, boring. But man, when you start to lean into it. And so that's the way with the Christmas stories. We kind of lean into this story a little bit this, this, this afternoon, just for a few more minutes. Man, is there something new? What's God doing in your life now, today? What are you, what are you, what are you experiencing? Right? As we go through Christmas seasons, right, with ourselves or our kids, like, they're in different places of life. They're, they're looking for different things. They're looking for different experiences. And so, like, God's available to us in that way. And so that said, I can't teach you anything new. I don't think about Christmas. I'm not that smart. But we'll explore, explore the story anyway and, and, uh, and see, what, see where it goes. Luke 2, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Canarius was governor of Syria. And while everyone went to their own town to register, excuse me, everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes, placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. So if you were here with us last week or you follow the story, there's been this visitation from this angel and to, to Mary and to Joseph and some of their family. Like, this is it. The Savior of the world is going to be born in, in, to you guys. Like, you're going to carry this, this person, this Son of God, uh, and you're going to name him Jesus. And so, and so this is getting a, a month down the line now. She's, she's probably in, like, her third trimester. And, and there's this census that opens up. In the, in the Roman world, they would do this. They need to rally everybody. And you had to go back to your hometown. Like, you couldn't do it online. You couldn't do it by mail. You got to go back to your hometown, check in. We want to we see where everybody's at. And so Joseph and Mary would, would be on this journey back to, to Joseph's hometown. In fact, Joseph was required to go. Mary didn't actually have to go. So we'll kind of look at that later. But this is, a, this is a long way by foot. I think there's a map of it, Alex, just to kind of... Kids, you could even check this out, too. But this is the terrain. It's this mountainous part of the Middle East and, and rivers and valleys and, and the Dead Sea. And you can see Nazareth up toward the top of the screen and, and, and Jerusalem. And Bethlehem's down there by Jerusalem. It's about an 80-mile walk. It's probably 70 miles by the way the crow flies. But it's about an 80-mile journey. And this time, right, there's no trains, no planes, no automobiles. They're, they're walking it. Um, possibly a donkey, right? We see pictures of Mary on a donkey, like, Maybe she was on and off a donkey, but she's pregnant. Like, I'm not sure how much better a donkey would have been riding than just walking to some extent. But typically, you would have maybe had a couple a donkey around to carry your stuff. This is a, a multiple-day journey that she's getting off on. So there's this sort of news of God's like, man, you are going to bring Jesus into the world. It's going to be awesome. She's like, cool. And then it's like, oh, shoot, like, I have to go up there now to like, do what? It's kind of a little bit of an interruption in, in maybe her, her sort of story, what she thought. But Mary, you know, she's, she, she, she gives into this thing. So, all right, we'll do, the, we'll do the journey. And I can almost imagine, you know, Joseph, he's got this, this sort of conflict. Remember, they weren't married yet. They live in a small town. It wasn't easy for Mary. When she first found out, I mean, she got out of town, went to see, like, basically her aunt. Because people were like, wait, what happened? How did you get pregnant? What's going on? It's an awkward time for her. 
Now, Joseph's maybe, he's like feeling the pressure. I could see him like, you know what, Mary? You just stay here. I'm going to take off. I got a business trip. I'm going to go up, go down to Bethlehem for, for a few days. I'll be back. She's like, you're not going without me. You are not going alone. And so Mary, she's like, we're going. We will figure this thing out. And they get on this, this, this journey, five to seven days, and they're not, you know, it's not rest stops and hotels. They're probably sleeping on the ground. They bring in their food. And this is a, in, in a little bit of an intense scene, just getting to that next, that next phase for her. But Mary, we know she was a devout girl, and she, I think this is a combination of prompted by the Spirit. She's going to go to this place of Bethlehem, like, oh yeah, the city of David. There was prophecy about that back in the day, like, oh man, like, maybe that's the place I need to get to. I don't really want my husband going alone anyway or leaving me here. And so this whole sort of natural, spiritual, fulfilling prophecy to kind of move them from this place, the timing of the census, to get down to Bethlehem. And there's, I guarantee they had some big fights along the way. You ever think about that? traveling with a pregnant woman on the road. It's like camping for a week and like doing 20 miles a day. Like that is not an easy situation, let alone like not even quite married yet. Like this is intense, but this is the story. And this is the story Luke, Luke's telling. We don't want to miss this because yeah, it's, it's God and it's a miracle, but it's also people. And it's also messy. It's also hard. It's also natural. It's also fights with your, with your pregnant girlfriend. But God is directing and he's moving his story, his, his narrative, his will on earth in this way. And so they get down there and, and uh, as it says, there's no room. Some of your Bibles maybe read, read in or guest room. Probably it was more guest room. Uh, they didn't have a lot of inns back then anyway. Central to Middle Eastern culture was hospitality to their culture and religion. Like you just took people in. No one would end up on the streets. Like that, was, that would be a shame on a family. That would be shame on, on the whole village. So they get in this town, and I think in our movies and our stories, sometimes we've picked it like they just got there, and then they knock at the hotel, and there's nobody there, so they run off to, to a barn, and, and they have the baby. But the Bible says she was there for some time before she gave birth, so she gets, they get into town. And this is Joseph's hometown. I don't want to, like, hate on the story that you know or make it feel like it's less than, but there's a good chance, like, they got ended up in a house. They were taken care of. This would have been insane for him to end up like out on the streets with, with a pregnant child. So they get there. There's no room, in this, no room in the guest room. Probably a family said, all right, we'll, we'll crowd you in here. It's a busy time. And she, and she gives birth in this, this little town, this little town of Bethlehem. And later on this night after the birth, it says this, there were shepherds out in the field nearby keeping watch over their flocks. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. Angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. All these angels start to sing. This heavenly host begins to sing and says, when the angels had left them, gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Mary treasured these things in her heart, pondered, pondered them, treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which are just as they had been told. So the shepherds have this experience, and it's, and it's a kind of a scary experience. This heavens are opening up and, and communicating and speaking and singing, and they're like terrified, right? I think most of us would be a little terrified. The angel says, don't be afraid. Angels came to Mary and said, don't be afraid. Like, this is, the, this, is, this is what God's sending out ahead of him. God's like, I'm coming. You guys might be a little freaked out by this. Don't be afraid. So when God comes into our life, this is his heart. He said, don't be afraid. I'm going to come in gently. I want to be with you. 
Please don't be afraid. This is good for you. This is cause for great joy. And the shepherds receive this and they go and visit. They go and visit the baby and they see it just as they were told. And they, said, and they loved it. They said, this is amazing. They spread the word of what they had seen. They, they had seen this. It, it was good for them. It was, it, was, it was good for them. It said they were amazed. And I think for the shepherds even to this point as we think about Jesus wherever he was, the shepherds came, and, and just to think about this, I think Jesus was probably being cared for pretty well. I think he was in the right situation. I think probably some people rallied around him. I think, I think in this culture, family would be paramount to this girl. She would give him birth. There would probably, be other, there would probably actually have been other women around. I don't want to ruin your Christmas story. The shepherds would come and say, man, this is amazing. This is amazing. I said, God, he's with us. John 1 talks about it this way. and says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God, and he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made, and in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. And we're going to sing a song in a couple of moments. I'm going to get some candles. We'll get some candles going now. It might take a little while. I think Alex and Troy, if you want to light a candle, you can touch the person next to you. But this idea of darkness could not overcome it or comprehend it. And there's this, there's this season, even in the darkest, the darkest night, this light is, is impossible to snuff out. And verse 14 of this part, and this is, this is John telling basically the Christmas story, says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So we have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace. And, and we've talked about this here a little bit, but dwelling is this word for tabernacle. It's like this idea of, of tent of meeting. In the Old Testament, they move around in these, in these tents, and they sort of camp out on the road and, and through, through the desert. And John's saying, Jesus came and he, and he tabernacled among us. He got right in with us. And we don't tabernacle anymore, anybody? Any tabernaclers? No. But we, but we camp, right? When we use tents, we go camping, right? I love camping. It makes me happy. My family, like, eh, not so much. But I love camping. Camping is, is, is honest, right? It's dirty, right? Boys pee on trees, and there's bacon and fireside, and, and, and it's just life stripped down and raw. And this is, this is the story, right? God went camping. This is God went to Bethlehem. God is with us. The message of Christmas, God is not over us, behind. He's, he's not in a big RV while we're camping in tents, Right? You know any of those people? Like, hey, we're going camping, and then they pull up in their big bus. God's like, I'm going to be camping with you in a tent. If you guys are tent camping, me, I'm tent camping too. And he comes in, and sometimes we tell this story that, that Christ is somehow ostracized right away from society, and he's, he's rejected by people, and he's forced into this lowly cattle shed. And, and I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure that is exactly the story. Because one of the stories, when the, when the shepherds show up, and they see this newborn Jesus, he's, he's arriving in this busy, loving, welcoming family home, home and he's, he's not distanced from humanity, but he's right in the middle of it. Doesn't that actually sound like the way God would come? Not alone, out in the middle of nowhere, but in the middle of a village with people around. That story being shared. And I went to the East Coast to visit my, my brother's baby because there's something about being present that's different than just seeing him on 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 Instagram or on FaceTime. Something about being there and touching and having his, his hand wrap around my finger, being with. So God's like, I need to be with. I want to get as close as I can, being present. And this is the Home Alone franchise, right? You guys follow Home Alone? Kevin gets, creates distance from himself because he's whatever, 
not paying attention, the family's not paying attention. What does the mom try to do the entire movie? Get there. Get back to Kevin. She will cross oceans. She will wander New York City at night. She will ride in a van with polka playing John Candy. This is our God. He would get in a van with polka playing John Candy to be with you. That's the plan. That's the Christmas story. And so as this season, as we reflect, we remember, maybe we'll see for the first time, because just because it happens every year doesn't mean it's not extraordinary. And I think for you and I, particularly if you're in the church, if this story's not incredible to us, how can we expect it to be t- for anyone else? So we're going to take a song, and I'm just going to kind of leave some freedom here. Sing, hum, listen, close your eyes, think about your year, think about that light, think about God being with you. I'm just going to pray that the Spirit would speak to us as needed. And what, you're, what, what you need from God this Christmas season, I pray that he would, he would grace you with. So God, thank you for this story. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're a God who doesn't roll up in an RV but gets in a tent with us, Lord. Lord, forgive us for just sometimes glancing over this thing because of familiarity. God, right now, by your Holy Spirit, I pray in this room, for anyone that has doubts or is hurt or is uncomfortable, who feels lost, Lord, that they would see that you are the light, God. That you are the light in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome that. We love you, Jesus. Amen. The preceding was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio was speaking. For more information about New Church, go to N-E-U-E-C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. That website address again is N-E-U-E-C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you and yours.